0: Thanks for joining us for another podcast of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. I have my my girl crush here, Becky Gardner. Um, You'll get over it, it. I, right? Will I ever? I don't know. You will, trust yeah. me. And um, so, your company is a Life of My Own, mm-hmm. and you are. Based how I describe you, but your website had different language, so that's maybe something we can start out with. I kind of consider you an executive function coach. Oh, yeah. Um, but when I, we went on there, it's actually a uh, neuro, or, uh, It wasn't neurodiverse. You didn't use that term. What was the terminology? Yeah. What, neurodiverse. Yeah, it is. Um, life coach is kind of what it said, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I have to look it up, but oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just it, because it's like, oh, doggone it, I would call you an executive function coach, but then it like popped up and I'm like, oh no, I've been using the wrong terminology all this time. Yeah. No, um, you haven't.
1: It's okay. just, I didn't necessarily want to pigeonhole and not everyone knows that they're looking for an executive function coach. So I just have it as um, coaching for independence yes, and neurodiversity. And then depending on you know once we get talking what the young adult needs or the child then we go wherever we need to but more often than not, that ends up being executive the, functioning. Executive function. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because like I said, you're my girl crush because it's like so much of life is executive function. So much. So much of life. Of all of our lives. Of everybody's life. And that's right. the thing is, is, you know, I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, is is that it's not just individuals that have challenges, that have um, deficits in exec- executive function that need support. Like my neurotypical kids, Absolutely. like they need you maybe more... It, because they're older, I feel like they actually probably need your life coaching more because they're closer to launching where I have a little bit more time with Caleb. So I feel like it's, well, it's definitely there. It's not as, um, you know, like emer- like emergency situation. Mm-hmm. Well, what I wanted, I, I'm calling you back today because this is actually part three because we have podcasted two other episodes, which if you mm-hmm. haven't listened to them, chocked full of amazing information, um, just what executive function coaching does, kind of what your process is. Mm-hmm. And the second one was breaking down all the different areas of executive function so people yep. could understand like why this is such an important topic. And this is really, in my humble opinion- <laughs> I feel like this is one of the greatest areas that we are missing when it comes to creating a team to support a person um, on the spectrum or with special needs when we're really struggling because they're not launching. Right. Yep. So um, so this is where I wanted to have you back because. Um, Anxiety is one of the big things that Mm -hmm. I have families reaching out to me. Like Mm -hmm. I have, my child has anxiety so severely that it just, it really is debilitating and it really creates a barrier for them to be able to advance in some, maybe they're advancing but not at the rate where you're hoping or you know that they have all this potential but because of anxiety, it can be real crippling. Absolutely. Um, And that failure to launch because Mm -hmm. the anxiety is so high, it's always fight or flight, that they're not really, they can't launch because it's so debilitating. So my yeah. thought was, how about let's talk about anxiety and how it relates to executive function and mm-hmm. why that's a barrier. Because, you know, I, I don't think that people are drawing the correlation to, you know, when you have weaknesses or deficits, um, I don't think that people realize how that really leads into areas in, like where anxiety is manifesting in their life. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I totally do. And I have seen, I'm with you, I've seen anxiety over the past, I don't know, seven to 10 years usurp everything that we used to really start with. Yeah. That we have to take care of the anxiety first, because without taking care of that, Students, people, anyone is not even able to act. They're not even able to access it's executive a fight or functions. Flight. Yeah. Right, right. They're down in their brainstem level. There's no way they can get to their higher functions. It's just not actually possible. So until we learn to manage the anxiety, we can't even start to work on executive functions. Well,
0: and that's where I I see it. I always I like use a lot of analogies with Caleb because if I can create kind of a visual picture for him, then he understands the concept. But it's kind of like in my mind how I build this analogy is I think of it as like it's a little burning ember where you're wanting to, you know, fuel it, give it more oxygen so that it will grow so that you know, but then it's like anxiety to me is like just dumping a big bucket of water on it. It can't really get going. It right. might always be smoldering, um, because you know it will smoke and smolder a lot. But right. it's like like that's where how I see anxiety is it really douses a lot of the progress that you can see because we really, and I think that's where two, a couple things. You know, I always say that I think we're under looking at executive function and what a critical, pivotal piece it can be for our kids launching and being successful. But the other part of it is is that, um, you know, the anxiety we have to be focusing on that anxiety and how do we help them manage that and get it to a place where it's um, under control so that then we can get to the higher brain function. right? So when we're talking about anxiety, like when you say we have to, you know, we have to start dealing with that first and foremost. So how, when you're working with a family, like how does that, how do you do that? Like, I mean, cause I just see like, wow, anxiety, how do you tackle something that's just so immense? Um, It's such a big, you have to really get to the root of it. Yes. So how does, how do you slew that out? I guess that's part of what I wanted to kind of, For families, you know, we get them calling saying, oh, my child just has so much anxiety, I don't even know where to start. And to be honest, I don't even know what to tell them. So how do we get to like sleuth out kind of where our starting point is? Where's the, you know, the beginning of the noodle so that we can start tracing it out and figuring out where to go? Right. Right. And of course how you work with that
1: anxiety is going to be very individualized because the anxiety is very individualized and so you're right until you know more about it you can't there's not the one size fits all like we've talked about before there's not one way to say oh here's the fix um so you do have to do some investigative work first to even get your foot in the door um, to get that start and then once you start chipping away at part of it, then you can, there are more openings to find the other pieces and to, even while you're bringing the anxiety down, start with the executive functioning strengths, which is a perfect place to start when there's lots of anxiety. Did you know that you have these strengths and you're amazing? And you know, you're, yes, this other thing is hard, but here are your strengths and these are how they're helping you. And one way that you can work with your anxiety. So, um, I think really you're right the the hardest thing is where to start
0: yeah finding the the noodle first and foremost and then like kind of where it begins that you can start tracing it out so does it do you find so here's my question because we've actually done a podcast on you know the pros and cons of pharmaceuticals do Mm -hmm. you feel like just as a coach and just knowing that i mean is there ever a person that you work with that doesn't have anxiety because i just feel like it's so just inherently natural to every single human being it's just kind of levels degree and their ability to cope with that anxiety right
1: and by the time a family reaches out to me they're usually you know things aren't going well yeah and so anxiety right now for the last i don't know five years every student that i work with has some level of anxiety that is impeding progress so yeah I see it constantly. So
0: is there, do you feel like, because um, I have a lot of families that are all over the board on this, where it's like, no, we're not going to treat our child with pharmaceuticals for anxiety. We just have to figure out a way to help him manage. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of the, fa- the kiddos, the individuals that you're working with, is it like, do you really... Do you push no medication? Do you support medications? Is it really individualized? Um, How does that work?
1: I don't push one thing over another at all and very much respect that different people are coming from different places and whatever is right for their family is completely what's right. Um,
0: so you have success stories on both sides, where some have chose to use um, anxiety pharmaceuticals and their success, and then those that choose to find other alternative ways of managing the anxiety were finding success. So there are, depending on
1: there are. Um, what I have probably most often seen, and I haven't read studies, I can't swear to it, but anecdotally, I think I've seen that if. Um, Families go with meds, then there's a little bit more of a window for opportunity to kind of get a jump start. And if families choose not to do meds, great. What then works the best is to some fairly intense, intensive uh, therapy CBD, CBT, not CBD, yeah. CBT. <laughs> um, and uh, then it, it, cause there really needs to be some, like I say, toehold to kind of get started. Mm-hmm. And so whatever that is, whatever works. And then we talk about adding other tools to the toolkit as well, but to have a an in to start with is really helpful.
0: Yeah. Now, cause I'm going to be honest in that, um, all of my kids have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I mean, a shocker. Holly is a person with anxiety. I just feel like I'm a master at managing it. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But all all of my kids have anxiety. With that being said, um, I was very anti-pharmaceutical at Uh first. Um, So with my son, Tyler, he, you know, Tyler has Tourette's. And so Mm -hmm. his very much... When he's ticking and it's like the worst of the worst, it's because his anxiety yeah. is through the roof. It's just it's that's that's how the the tea kettle releases the steam, if you will. Right. Um, and so we ma- we tried all sorts of different options um, because I didn't want to, in part because the medications were he has ADHD and Tourette's. So mm-hmm. the medications that would treat treat the Tourette's would make his ADHD worse. Mm-hmm. The medications that would treat right. his ADHD would make the Tourette's worse. So it was kind of right. like oh which all right, is this why is gonna there's be awesome. not one answer yes mm-hmm. and so we tried it i mean we tried weighted blankets we tried mm-hmm. um essential oils we've tried you know his you know like suit you know his anxiety um you know menu where it was like you know find all these things that help exactly. calm him down exactly. and so we did a lot of those things and it was great and then he finally said finally in junior high he was like i want to try meds like i'm mm-hmm. just i'm done with this <laughs> I, i'm so frustrated and i hate living in this body So we did it. And then I was regretful that we had waited that long because Mm -hmm. like that poor kid, you know, it... It
1: doesn't matter what we do. We regret I know.
0: it. I, and yeah, exactly. More anxiety, more like this, like failure complex building up in my life. But you know, it's like, I'm sure I'm not, you know, me and 10 million other people out there listening are probably yeah. saying like, Oh, we you all go To yes. Exactly. Totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. So with my son, Caleb, I was more early on willing to look at the anxiety medication because it really does mm-hmm. inhibit progress. But, um, so, you know, I've, Um, and I, it's with anxiety medications, there's a lot of different options. You have to try them. Then I was like, Nope, don't like the side effects of that one. So, um, I guess the thing that I'm trying to hopefully encourage people that are listening is, is that there's not what you said. There's not one size that fits all situations. It's your, you know, your beliefs, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what works for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I got to the point where it's like, I have to honor Tyler's voice and allow him to at least try the medications to see if that Mm -hmm. is the route that we're going to go.
1: And then does their neurochemistry allow that or not? Correct. And And it's
0: been a long road. It's been a long mm -hmm. road where we've tried a lot of different things. All in all, I'm glad we did it. He actually... um, you know, we're back on one of the very original ones that mm-hmm. he's on now. Um, but that's another
1: thing: is they get older in the hormones, oh. and the you know what didn't work does, and mm-hmm. what.
0: Thank you, right? Can I just say, doesn't? screw mm-hmm. you, like with the whole like um, puberty. Puberty is yeah. the whole. I screw you, puberty. It just sucks um, yes, because it you're does. absolutely right. You, no get, you finally have things figured out. It's mm-hmm. like we're oh, like this is awesome, and then puberty hits, and then it's like everything is just yeah. The body chemistry is totally different. So then the meds, it's just awful. So just, you know, understand too, if you're, you have a child that's going through puberty, we're giving you a virtual hug here because we know it's hard. Such a big one. Um, It is. It really is. Um, So I guess that's part of what I want to make sure is we understand is, is that, um, you know, anxiety is a real big thing. If people wanted to kind of go their route where we're sleuthing out um, kind of the, 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 where the anxiety is, is manifesting from, <clears throat> I mean, we talked about in our last podcast, there's so many different areas of executive function. We covered yeah. that. Um, so is there certain areas or you know executive functions you know like bullet point Mm -hmm. where you kind of like okay well let's start here when we start looking at anxiety because we often you know one of the things like resistance is one of them where you just can't they won't activate to start accomplishing stuff and I really feel like that's not when we talk about that particular um issue. I mean, all of my kids have that. They just, they're not activators, but some of it is because anxiety is so high right. that it stops them from doing anything. Like, I don't know where to start. Absolutely. I'm so overwhelmed. 100%. And so that they yep. don't. So it makes sense that anxiety is a very strong um, element of that one, but it's obviously kind of like it is it, the cart before the horse or, you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> I do know what you're saying. So
0: how do you, you know what I mean? Like where, where does someone start and how, how, like, do we have some gems of knowledge that we can give people any reassurances hey we gotcha like what do we recommend here like we're talking about anxiety but do we have any answers you tell me you're the expert you're my girl crush gee
1: I have all of the answers for everything because I'm amazing I know you are that's why you're here oh wait um don't I wish no uh so the way first of all as a parent you probably are not going to be real successful having this conversation with your own child because they know what answers you're looking for. They know what answers you want and Gosh, it's they like love you follow you. me around
0: in my world, <laughs> Becky. Do you like have like a camera in my house? Cause I feel like you're talking about my life right now. I have been there. I yes, do. Yes. I and
1: okay. they love you. They know what's going to hurt your feelings. They know what's going to push your buttons. They know what you want to hear. And so to and have some days they
0: want to push your buttons oh, and then absolutely. some days they want to just give you the right answer. Cause they're just,
1: cause they don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: Whatever, whatever it's going to take mom. Yeah. yeah. It depends on the yeah.
1: day. <laughs> yeah. So that is one place where parents are at an extreme disadvantage. I will just say out the gate. And for me as a parent, I couldn't have a successful conversation with my kids at the time on this either. So unfortunately, that's working against you Um, as a uh, supposedly what disinterested third party super not, but you know, I yes. don't, I don't have skin the in the game. Yeah. You
0: play the part of the disinter- <laughs> yeah, disinterested right. person in the, in the situation, but yes. Right.
1: So I, um, have, uh, an interview format that I go through with that's the first meeting. So I think we talked about the process and, uh, the first meeting, after the parents generally the parents are who contact me after they've gone through kind of some history and what they're looking for um then we have a group meeting with parents and myself and student and at that point i can ask when i know that everyone is listening to get everyone on the same page i ask some specific questions that sort of um head toward these what are going to be our key things that we want to work on and those tend to because anxiety is such a big piece of what's going on right now those tend to start that conversation and i don't generally push it beyond the start because i don't want to put the student in the situation of having to say the hurtful thing or call themselves out or whatever it is oh i've been super resistant about whatever it is because of X. they don't <laughs> if they wanted to share that with they're ready to share that with the parent they would have already done it
0: exactly they're not going to so, air that dirty laundry there or right the, right yeah they're so, not going to have that's not their epiphany moment where they're going to just no, be no, like no. ah
1: no 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 never um but it's gonna crack open the door and then i can talk separately with the parent and say okay here's what i see and where i would like to explore so that opens the door and gives us a little view into where we're gonna go and what we're gonna look at. And that's almost always involves anxiety. And since the parents had then heard it from the student's mouth, uh, it, it it helps with um, kind of helping everyone to become on the same page and understand a little better what might be going on. So it really is from that interview that we start the anxiety work. And I can tell you right now, I think I have yet to have a student that I've worked one-on-one with that doesn't have a lot of anxiety from shame. Yes. Thank Uh, you. And that is, that is a huge area of work. Yeah. So where does the shame come
0: from? So like what, types of shame like because I I think of like just that the feeling that I don't belong that I'm yes. not enough that you know like I don't again that I don't have friends um
1: yeah the root of it is that I am unlovable yes I'm I'm not a good enough person to to gain anyone's love and I'm always going to be on the outside and whether or not that's something that can be specifically um, stated is real different than feeling that at your core. Yeah. You know, but that is, that is what it is. And then, and that's, well, obviously that's very painful. No oh matter yeah. Who you are. Um, <clears throat> and working with that shame is, um, there's no quick fix because it took a long time to build up. Um, and it takes a long time to tear well,
0: down. And am I wrong to say that, you know, part of, you know, it's, shame. But part of helping to get on the other side of your shame is you have to learn to love yourself. And so if they can't love themselves, then it's hard to move beyond that shame. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. they don't feel that they're enough. Right. So and let's be real. I mean, I'm 44. I'm going to be 44 years old this month. And yeah. it took me until my 40s before I actually loved myself. And I could, you know, like let go of some of those things that I felt like I I wasn't good enough or, you know, just shame in my life. Just and so I think you're so. Oh, and we
1: still have imposter syndrome oh, moments all the time. We talked right? about this all yeah. the time. It's like yeah. I
0: just I drive down the street and I think that all the time. Like you know, imposter. You know, imposter, and, and let's talk about what imposter syndrome is, really, because I, maybe you guys have listening, you don't even know what this is. I actually listened to a podcast, or a, it was actually an audio book where they mm-hmm. it was the first time I ever heard it, and it just totally resonated with me. Oh yeah, where it feels like you're just an imposter. And what if people find out like right. I'm not good, or I'm a faking it. it? I'm yeah. fake. You know, I'm Holly at the Isaac Foundation. If people only knew that I'm right. winging it every day that I wake up, and I'm an imposter. Like people think right. I have it all together. People think that I'm a great mom, but like when people find out. That right. I'm such a screw up. You just right. see what I'm saying? And and again, it's amazing how harsh we are to ourselves in our inner voice. I mean, like, oh. my goodness. I would not, as hard as I am to myself in my inner voice, I would never, ever, ever be that to anybody else because right. I just, that's not, I'm, you know, exactly a kind and considerate person. But the internal voice that I have in my head yes. is so hurtful to myself. Yes. And how do we stop that? That,
1: that is shame. It's shame. not that I have done something not as well as someone else which is super not a crime to start with yeah but it's that I it's it's not my actions it's that it's my being Yes, you know I it I am not okay because wow I blew that math test yeah well those are really really different things yeah but yeah the the shame is that self-talk which a lot of times originates as kids we don't start out talking terribly to ourselves right we get this idea from the way people have treated us peers can be awful um you know they students see that the teacher talks one way to a student that got an a and a different way to a student that got an f and it's it's not intentional it's not But day after day after day after day of not measuring up, you walk away with, I'm not enough.
0: Yes. And I also think, too, because when we're talking about my son, Caleb, and how he perceives things, like he mm-hmm. sometimes will read social situations incorrectly, which then feeds to that feeling of shame or I'm oh, not yeah. lovable. Oh, yeah. And it's not, and it's, again, because he misunderstands, like, you know, a tone or a body language because he doesn't read those well. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So then it just kind of feeds to it. So total misunderstanding. We do a lot of having to role play certain things where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, OK, so listen to how I say, you know, say. Same thing, but how I say it this way versus how I say it this way. And do you see how that feels different? You know, Mm because we have, but again, I don't know how any other way to be able to get him to understand the differences in some of those things. So Mm -hmm. I think you're right. It's hard for anyone, but then when you're dealing with um, individuals on the spectrum, because of how they perceive the world and how they're taking in and how they internalize some of that information, it can be very harsh as well.
1: Absolutely. I. Uh, but uh, I mean, studies have been done that neurodiverse students get, I don't remember the statistic now, but it's something like, I don't know, a, a significant percentage. More often they're given negative feedback than their peers. So- how do I mean that that's the reality of it they truly are given much much more negative negative feedback
0: feedback. that's so true what do they say by well-meaning
1: people because you have to give real feedback and you have to hold them accountable and you have to you know but it's every little time is a, a chip to the ego or the the know.
0: psyche yeah, yeah. you're yeah. just your core yeah. you're absolutely right and what do they say like you have to have like when you're you know as an employer you know you are doing evaluations where we have to but really you have to for every one negative you right. have to have what is it like um 10 10 yeah positives yeah and so that's a real thing you know when you're actually trying to you know again it's very real yeah and and it's so necessary but when i look at like caleb's work product i would have to really you know like there's a lot more that needs improvement. Like when I, you know, assign a jobs at home, I would have to, you know, to find. So he's got five things that we need to correct. Mm-hmm. Five times ten positives. That's fifty things that I got to point out that went well. For those five things, I have to correct on. So a lot of times, it's like now we're just going to pick two things we're going to correct on because you got to be careful about making sure that you're out. You know what I mean? So that you're making sure the which is perfect to pick it,
1: only two to work on at a time.
0: So true. But then of course <sighs> the other ones you're just like, are you kidding me? If I would have done that because. Now I'm like creating some issues with the other children. Becky, I can't win at my house. You oh, want to no. come live with me? Oh no, no. Come, parent, you can't win. No, come live with, with me. Because that's oh, no, the no. hard part, is, is that you know, like my other kids are like, I would have never been able to get away with that. That's just a bunch of crap. And right. it's like And
1: you know what? Life's not fair.
0: I know life's not fair. And we've talked about that before. But that's what's so hard about our life and our balance. That's why I really want to just honor for all of those that are listening that we get that this is hard. Mm. And there is mm. no there is no good way. This is, you're going to have great days where it's like, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> like hit home run. Woo-hoo! Yeah, yeah. And then you're going to have like 10 after that, where it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm sobbing in my cocktail tonight because right. it's just so horrible. Right. I mean, that's and me. I suck as a parent, I yeah. suck as a parent yeah. and I don't even know like, you know, how in the heck yeah. does, um, so I'm validating that for people that are listening oh, because yeah. let us just say, we get it. It's not an easy deal. So, um, but I love part of what you're doing too is, you know, shame is such a big thing with all of us is that mm-hmm. we feel shame. And that's part of the reason why we're victimized is that we're afraid to come out. Um, yes. And, and, and self-advocate, self-advocate because again, shame.
1: And even before that, in order to self-advocate, really you have to embrace the whole deal. You have to understand it. You have to learn about it. And you have to understand what parts are you and what parts are not you because neurodiversity is a huge diversity. And, um, you know, as a child, obviously you're not going to do that. Your parents going to help you with that. And, you know, that's okay that you had a hard time on, I don't know, whatever it is, Because even though you're super great at these 10 things, (laughs) this is the area that you struggle in. And that's great because other people can't do what you can do in this other area. I mean, it's just it's it's learning who you are and what your characteristics are and again that loving yourself and being okay with it and not only okay but great great and with it. knowing that yeah that which is, is what
0: i kind of feel like your what's so cool about your job is is that you yeah. through your coaching Absolutely. is that you're teaching them to like love and like yeah. And be like shouting from the rooftops, I'm awesome. I am awesome. Like I am the awesomest awesome in the whole world, which is what I love about what you do is that you're finding the strengths, you're using and really celebrating them, like rocking them. Like, wow. Yeah, which
1: is so fun. I can't tell you how many times a day on Zoom meetings or meet meetings or whatever, we're doing happy hands and, you know, whooping it up and because there are real celebrations that... Students totally miss. Yeah. They're like, "Well, yeah, the rest of the class did that." Well, I don't care. I don't care about the rest of the class. I care yeah. about you. Yeah. And how do awesome you is understand this? how hard that was for you three months ago? Yeah. I, you know. So what? Whatever
0: they're doing, them you're doing you, and you are rocking it. And yeah. Super fun. So You're right. You, yeah. Do you find that during the process of working with you that they really do start seeing more, like being able to tune in more to those little victories? And yeah. Then okay. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. Okay.
0: Because that's the thing is, you know, I think you become just like, yeah, well, you know, what, what, who, well, who cares about that? You know, everybody can right. do that. You know, like, um, right. I was working with a student today,
1: and he did something that he has never done before. And I said, no, 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 wait. And he he just kind of rolled his eyes and he's like, yeah, whatever. And I said, no, 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 stop, time out. We need to really pause and think about this. And he said, well, it's only because my parents made me do it. And I'm like, whoa, no, 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 no. And we took so many steps backwards. And I said, okay, so in looking at your executive functioning profile, yes, your parents supported you in this area of weakness and we named what it was and he recognized it off of his barriers, barrier list. And yet the reason, you know, they could have supported you and they probably have in the past with this one piece, but the other things that you did are from your executive functioning strengths. Do you see this? And then I could point to two other strengths. And I said, this is totally different than you have ever done because you use your strengths and your parents for now supported you with your weakness. Can you see it now? Can you see what a big deal this was? And he sits up taller and he grins big and he says,
0: oh, yeah, you know, it's, and that's, just, that's what I'm talking about. Exactly, and then through this, that's a great example to have because through this, what's happening is then I call it scaffolding. Those parents are it's there exactly providing what scaffolding. it is. What I call it, yes. yes, it's scaffolding. Yeah, and so what they're doing is they're supporting him in that weakness, mm-hmm. but then they're being able to pull a little bit of that scaffolding mm-hmm. back. So there's, so then that way mm-hmm. he's a little stronger on his own to be able to work through that that weakness.
1: And the super cool thing also is the parents just by virtue of being parents and caring, automatically supported him in that area. We didn't have this discussion. We didn't, you know, the parents are amazing and they do that sort of thing. And then I can go to the parents next and say, oh my gosh, it was so amazing that you you supported this area. For now, you're totally right on the money. That's what he needs because we're working in these other areas. Please keep supporting that one area. And once he's stronger at using these other strengths and he's got that down, then we're going to start working on him supporting his own weakness that you're now supporting. So keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. This is the reasoning behind it. And um, he's really starting to grow because of what you're doing.
0: And what is that building? Independence, self-advocacy exactly. and independence. And that's what we exactly. need in order to be able to have, if you have a kiddo where you're worried about that launch or you have a child or a young person that's failing to launch, um, again, that's those are the types of supports that they need in order to be able to launch and live that independent life and yeah. as independently as they can live. And so that's why, again, I can't, tote enough about executive function and yeah um, it's coaching. hidden
1: in everything exactly okay and thank you just yes don't realize you it. don't
0: realize that executive <laughs> function is hidden in everything just going to the grocery store guess what people oh. executive function huge executive function yeah. Um, it doesn't even
1: have to be that big or complex. No,
0: I mean, it could be even just, yeah, you're right.
1: Everything beyond going to the bathroom. I think
0: yeah, that's <laughs> true. Brushing your teeth. That, that is an executive function. It just a nighttime I mean, the, routine. Just yes. getting ready for bed is uh-huh. just, I mean, everything you're right. It's like the hidden thing. And which is why <laughs> Becky, it blows my mind that we don't have more Becky's in the world. And, and I know there are a lot of you guys out there nationally, but like in our little, like you know, neck of the woods, which we're in Washington State, specifically Eastern Washington, um, mm-hmm. I don't know of any other Becky's. Um, I know that some ABA providers do work on executive function when they have an ABA plan, you know, they're working with a client. Um, but not when you're talking about in the capacity. And so if you're listening and you're saying, oh, no, that's not true, there's others. Well, then, hey, educate us because, Becky, I'm sure you want to know that there's more people in the community because I I learn a lot from connecting with other nonprofits and just, you know, like sharing experiences and, um, you know, but to my knowledge, there's really you're kind of a transplant to spokane and i don't know of many people that are doing specifically this life coaching specific to executive function when it relates to um, young people Mm -hmm. neurodiverse Mm -hmm. um, individuals and not to say that you don't work with um, neurotypical individuals as well because like i said i tease all the time that i really want to send you my teenagers (laughs) because lord knows they need some um, help in this area too But, um, am I wrong? Like there, are you, do you know of any, I've done a little bit of searching, you know,
1: like you say, I'm a transplant and so I'm just starting to figure out some resources around, uh, to refer and get referrals and, you know, the whole, um, networking thing. And I'm starting to find some coaches for sure. I've seen business um, coaches all the time. Executive function is definitely in their language. I don't know that I have yet seen for young neurodiverse adults, but uh I'm I'm sure, you know, it's hard to get the word out if that's what you do. Yes. Um which is why so. we're doing these podcasts
0: because <laughs> I just feel like you are the missing piece to so many people's puzzle right now. But they well, don't know what they need. Well, executive function. Yes. Learn, yes. It, they executive need, function is. Yes. They need help um, with executive function, but yeah. they don't know who is the one that provides that type of support. Um, and it is a challenge too. One of the barriers that I see is, of course, insurance doesn't actually um, be... be ten, it's This is one of those kind of wonky things, but it's difficult to be covered. Executive function is difficult to get covered and paid for under insurance because... Yeah. Um, it's not a diagnosis. It's not a diagnosis, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. If without a diagnostic, you know, like code, mm-hmm. and and the codes that you then can bill under executive function right. treatment or mm-hmm. counseling or whatnot, it's it's um it's very clunky, and so it is a private pay um, proposition. It is
1: at this point, yeah, yeah. But I'm hoping it's not always.
0: Well, and that's just it. But, you know, I have to say, um, you get to that point, what is your future, like, what is your future worth, I guess? And while I know it can be a real barrier, I still think, you know, even consulting, you know, you have the evaluation process, which is what, isn't it like three hours, four hours, your evaluation process can take longer than that's kind of...
1: Yeah, as with everything else is individualized, individualized. but that's roughly what I um, try to keep it at. You know, we can go real deep sure. but to to look at the primary areas yeah that's that's pretty accurate
0: yeah and, and so but i feel like you know i i've paid for a neuropsych assessment for kayla because i was just questioning whether or not the school districts was like on target so i paid to really have one yeah to see whether or not you know we're talking apples to apples and i will tell you um you know You know, I invested the money in that because it was important. I felt like it was potentially giving us peace, you know, information that we were missing so that we could make good decisions in terms of what we needed to focus on. Um, And then after that, once you do that assessment, you kind of see kind of where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, what does it look like in terms of like frequency? Because that's my, you know, I just want to talk about the barriers of being able to utilize a person with your, your, Mm -hmm. your talent. Is it something where you know you can kind of you know say okay so what is the treatment treatment frequency, and how can we still make progress even though like kind of here's what my finance you know here's all we can manage on a monthly basis or you know whatnot does that make sense like
1: absolutely it does Um, because again it's not one size fits all so whatever the barriers are in any area and whatever the needs are we can make something work so um we could figure out an initial plan together and then i could help set it up and then figure out some goals and some areas to work on Give some some vague sorts of activities that can be built on and then come back and then when do consult. you're ready and yeah. then go again and so yes it's totally possible to do Whatever, whatever level I have, you know, some students that are very frequent and I have some students that are infrequent. Some, so they when we just talk about infrequent,
0: in. is it like once a month, once every, you know, six weeks? Is it just depend even that? Yeah. That's yeah. It, it does. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that that makes sense. But again, when we're talking about this, you know, um when I think about Caleb, I need Caleb to be as independent as possible. And so for me, I'm willing to, um you know, if I, he's going to need a life coach in order for him to really build on his independence. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, while it's an obstacle because our insurance won't cover it, I still feel like it's definitely, you know, the assessment, it would be just really nice to know in terms of using that also for IEP purposes. Hey, you know, Caleb's still in school. It would be really actually nice to have a nice evaluation when it comes to executive function so that then we can again look at strengths and weaknesses and even use that and pull that information into the IEP so that he can actually be more successful at school.
1: Yes. And if you Go to an IEP meeting armed with information of executive functioning strengths and barriers. As an IEP team member, you can help build some goals that work toward that. And then it doesn't have to be me or someone else, but they're still getting some work in that area. So oh, see, that's
0: a really good idea, too, because then you can actually build that into the IEP. Right, right. And the goals. And so then guess what? Your kid's going to automatically be working on that. this at school and he's going to have support in that right or she yeah right that's a really good point um so when we talk about severe anxiety um is there you obviously have to get the root of the severe anxiety in order to really start making progress in some of those areas of executive function and so a lot of times so you might spend a lot of time weeks even maybe working on just anxiety like elements of anxiety before you even start getting into the work or are you kind of working on that linear it's not linear okay yeah so how does it like uh it's just kind of built into um how how does that process work
1: yeah um so i know you're not expecting me to say it's individual but it's really individual (laughs) (laughs) but usually there are i don't know i may have six to 10 goals overall that, um, we're working on or I, not me, but as the whole part of the team. Um, and so it's very student led. So I have a list in front of me when I start a call, I have a list in front of me of what the goals are just to keep me focused because hmm one of my executive functioning weaknesses is focus, And yet, <laughs> so one of my supports, so one of my strategies is I have my list in front of me and I know the things that, I, that are really important to hit. But it's student-led. So if they get on the Zoom meeting and they want to celebrate something, we celebrate it. Sure. And then I can pull in, oh, do you know, and then talk about whatever that's goal related and if they've had a really rough day then we say oh you know i'm so sorry that that happened i don't know what the story is with your peers and you know whatever on them we know you're awesome and here's why or um let's break it down and see where um you know people do well if they can so if you didn't do well where was the barrier what what was the Thing that was getting in your way, and let's find it and let's problem solve on. So the goals are there, and we're always working on them, but there's not anything it's- particularly linear about it. it. And I'm always going to look at underlying things like shame and anxiety first because we can't get to those higher level yeah. pieces until we've really addressed those well. So Um, I can't say that we're going to solve anxiety before we move forward or we're going to, but in, it's it's part of the package. Yes, gotcha. Yes, absolutely. So here's
0: my question. And I know this might be not an easy question or easy answer for you. But one of my other frequently asked questions here at the Isaac foundation, I'm giving Anna the look because she's going to probably <laughs> snicker over here on the left, but, um, is people are always looking for, Oh, I'm looking for a social group for my, you know, high functioning, you know, you know, you n- know, It could be grandson, child, whatever. And it seems like, you know, people are always asking me, like, do you have any uh, uh, suggestions, um, any group, any organizations that do this? But when I sit here and listen to you, I feel like actually, um, now keep in mind, most of your clients are actually um, not in Spokane because these are still clients that you worked Mm -hmm. with when you were on the west side. Mm Mm-hmm. But it seems like as you grow your client base in Spokane, it actually makes sense. You would be probably the best person to really introduce some of these young people that are of similar age, um, that have, you know, similar? does it help like in terms of being able to introduce, you know what I mean? Because they're so struggling. Caleb thrives with kids that are more like him, mm-hmm. but he struggles to find them because mm-hmm. the profiles are so diverse that, you know, like the, you know, four kids that he might have in his, you know, reading group may not match up right with his particular profile because, you know, he has a real hard time with a lot of like, you know, um, audio information. So mm-hmm. the really busy, loud kids are, you know, even though they're you know, in the same tribe, their sensory yeah. systems um conflict. But yeah. and that's the hard part is being able to find people that are equally matched so that they feel like they have that network, that tribe. So is part of your process having any sort of like group opportunities for them to get together, like in a small group, or is it all just one hundred percent individual, one on one? You know what I'm saying? Yes, because I, do. I feel yeah. like they're always looking for people to connect with that get themselves, but they can't find themselves. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? So mm-hmm. I, have you done any of that type of stuff when you were over in on the West Side? I
1: did have some groups uh, when I first started. I have a different take on that whole
0: I realm. Hear, I want to hear it <laughs> because I... I know there's a lot of pra- like clinics out there that try some of these social groups and uh-huh. I have not found any of them to be particularly successful. Um, and again, they want, you know, they're, they want, I think parents want to help them find their tribe, but yet yes. it's, Absolutely. I, I, sometimes I don't know whether or not it's, um, I have a few self-advocates that are wanting to find people that are like them, but mm-hmm. by and large, it's a desire that we parents have. We want to help them find right. people that are like-minded mm-hmm. so that they feel like There's people that can relate to them. But um, again, so it's kind of a, it's a two camp thing where parents are wanting it. a
1: two camp thing. But I do know some (laughs) self-advocates,
0: I do know some self-advocates that are searching for more people that are like them. But then when there are opportunities, I'm not saying that they're particularly successful. So I don't really know. That's why I'm asking. I don't know that there's an
1: answer. I don't have the answers okay. either. Well,
0: that's just. Talk I do about have it. an opinion.
1: Have, let's hear uh, your opinion. I do love opinions. A lot of it was formed because, like we talked about before, I have spent a lot of time around Sarah Gardner, who is an autistic adult that started and runs the Neurodiversity Navigator Program at Bellevue College, and so she has taught me volumes about what it is to be autistic and what that um, is like from a social standpoint. And there are some very recent, really telling studies about, um, uh, that neurotypicals and autistics socialize very differently. Well, that's probably not news, but, um, Neurotypicals tend to, because there are more neurotypicals in the world than there are autistics or neurodivergent, they tend to see their way as normal. And so then they want to teach social skills to the abnormal um, neurodivergent group. Well, as it turns out, yes, neurotypicals and um, neurodivergents don't socialize in the same ways but it turns out that autistic specifically and probably many neurodivergent socialize the same in their own groups. And so if you look at neurotypical socializing with neurotypicals, they do great. And if yeah. you look at autistic socializing with autistics, they do great. And so again, it's a diversity. And so I don't I I guess I'll be really blunt. I don't believe in teaching social skills i just don't um because it's a one way to do things yeah kind of a thing yeah um so to but to find your own group and the one that you mesh with and the one that you um can feel really great about being your tribe yes uh, there are um different ways to go about that. What I've generally seen work the best in my experience and it's just only that my experience is to go with an interest-based thing. Hmm. So <clears throat> if your son, daughter, young adult, whoever is interested in trains, then find an online, you know, train I don't know what collectors Collectors or, or, um, become part of the train museum, whatever, be a volunteer or, and you are going to definitely find like-minded people. And chances are anybody that has a really strong interest in a, in an area, they might find that they have a lot of similarities. Yes. And so it doesn't have to be diagnostically based or skills based or to in order to find a tribe yes so whether it's soccer or you know animals or there are groups out there that are very interested in lots of things oh there
0: are so many like clubs and groups right. that are specific to right yeah and i think so- that makes so much more sense because you know you get Caleb around somebody to talk about whether it Pokemon, he could mm-hmm. recite the entire encyclopedia of all of yes. the generations and yes. and this one and that one. And now we've got blah, blah, blah. Yes. I don't, I can't even like tell you the terminology because I have to be honest, I tune a lot of it out because it's just too much for my brain. Oh. But you're absolutely right. You find something that's an obsessive interest and then you put him in a room with all of those people, whether they are diagnosed with right. autism or not, they're still going to have a connection. You absolutely. So- and, and,
1: and, Caleb is going to be seen as a phenomenal resource no matter what where you come from he is a phenomenal resource and so people are going to be drawn to him and his knowledge yeah. because <laughs> he's amazing in yeah, that yeah so oh, the
0: evolutions that was the word I was missing like he will tell me where they all evolved from <laughs> yes. and I'm just kind of like all then so yeah yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate because, again, like I said, we get lots of these questions week after week after week. We get a lot of the same questions of people wanting to find a group that they can, you know, connect their child with, and it's just. One and of those- I get it. I mean, I was
1: looking for one too. I yeah. mean, they're just. You want your child to be happy and included and
0: successful, and I
1: totally get
0: that. Yeah. It's- and here's the other thing too, and maybe you disagree, and that's totally fine. Here, how I also feel like people need to put aside age, because you know, mm-hmm. again, when I'm on some of these online groups, it's kind of like, oh, I'm looking for other nine-year-olds that are la 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 la. To me, here's the thing, my son. Um, um, Caleb who is uh you know he's 12 he actually one of the his favorite people to hang out with is my 18 year old nephew yeah. um and my nephew is neurotypical but um he will come over and play this one video game and they will spend hours and hours and hours playing and they yeah. laugh and they banter back and forth and i think they both genuinely mm-hmm. enjoy each other's company and it's right. like so weird that it's kind of like Caleb asked me can my you know can you know, Gabe come over and it's like, Yeah, sure, but oh yeah, you know, he has a job now. He's working at Amazon, so we have to wait till he gets (laughs) off work. But he comes over and he's also happy because Mm -hmm. Caleb has that same intensity for this game. And so they have a blast together. But right. there's a big age gap there. Yeah. Um, but socially and emotionally, that's kind of where Gabe's mentally at right now. He's just really, you know, he works and then he just then likes he's to kind of... exhausted and he wants to blow off. He wants to yeah, zone yeah, out and yeah. Caleb's his dude because right. they team up and they do this, that and the other. I don't understand all the things that they do, but it's cool. Oh, so no. when I get on some of these online groups and they're trying to find other 10-year-olds, it's, you have to understand that, you know, like social emotional age is so much different. And Caleb might be 12 in body. Um, he actually really is more, you know, of of a 10 year old socially and emotionally. And so again, um, you know, not get so locked into like what the actual age is of the other people that they're interacting with. It's really well, and like interest. you say,
1: don't assume either
0: that it's going to be someone younger because it's in this it's... instance, it's an older, right? I think it's funny because my teenagers are very close to Gabe's age and yet Gabe comes over and hangs out with Caleb uh-huh. and the other teens are like, Oh, well, we're going to go and do this. And it's like, okay, see ya. And you know what I mean? It's just yeah. so weird that that 18 year old nephew is actually playing with yeah. the younger, the youngest. Yeah of my kids and not the two teenagers interest-based it's interest-based it is interest-based so well we are going to wrap up this particular podcast of Isaac's Autism Wild because I have Becky that's going to record a part four on um, what we think schools should be teaching our kids um, to better um, develop executive function skills so that will be our next podcast that you'll have to tune in and listen to next And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.